So this afternoon we're going to start the practice of equanimity, the Brahma-vihara practice of equanimity. And I know I'll be repeating some things that many of you already understand about the Brahma-viharas and about equanimity. It's always good to let it soak in again, though. Equanimity is one of the four Brahma-viharas. They are metta, or loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and the last one is equanimity. And it's said that equanimity is the crown, or the queen, or the king of all of the Brahma-viharas, because when we've come to a place in our lives, in our practice, when we've given, we've offered everything we could offer, our love, our compassion, our sympathetic joy to another, and we're feeling at a place of helplessness or overwhelm or reactivity about what's happening, it's always good to open to, to develop, to cultivate equanimity, a place in our hearts, in our minds, where we can say, we can open to what's going on in the outer uh, events of our lives, in the inner events of our internal heart-mind. So I just want to give you uh, a little bit of understanding of equanimity this afternoon, and tonight I'll fill it out with a more complete Dharma talk. Equanimity, a lot of us think that it implies balance. Equanimity, a sense of balance, which it is. but we often forget that it means spaciousness also. Space in the heart, in the mind, big space, to be able to hold whatever is happening in our hearts, whatever is happening in the world, and not push it away, thereby adding more pain to ourselves and sometimes to others. So it's a sense of spacious, calm balance, This is the subjective experience of equanimity, and this is what we'll be inclining the heart and mind towards over and over again. We also feel it as an inner steadiness of the heart, Um, kind of a refuge, like metta is a refuge to us, like taking the precepts sometimes is a refuge to us, when we can turn our hearts, turn our minds towards equanimity, we can feel it as a resting place, a place of refuge, a place of resilience. The winds of change may come and go in our lives, deep within us in our hearts, and somehow we can always come back to some balance, no matter how far we bend one way or another. Equanimity is often described as not being thrown off by events of the outer world, events of the inner world, not being thrown off balance. As you, many of you know, um, these eight vicissitudes of life are often related with equanimity. Praise and blame, gain and loss, fame and disrepute, pleasure and pain. These are the eight vicissitudes that we're faced with day in, day out, even in the quietness of our sitting, the silence of our time and retreat here. We're facing it all the time, all these ups and downs of life, birth and death, health and illness. So this equanimity is giving us the spaciousness to be with what's happening, the resilience that even if we're thrown off, We can come back to some center and face whatever we have to face. So in our practice, what we'll be doing is learning how to make a habit of resting the mind before it falls into extremes. Resting the mind before it falls into extremes. This is another description of equanimity. And when we practice, we'll be inclining the mind and heart there over and over again. Even if we don't experience it in the moment, we're practicing 
to incline the mind there, incline the heart there, so that a pathway is made and it's easily accessible, it's easily uh, known to us. So resting the mind before it falls into extremes, these are the extremes of uh, equanimity. One extreme is called the far enemy, and it's called reactivity. The far enemy is because you can see it from afar. Reactivity or is any form of uh, aversion or attachment. You know, there can be, can be one of the thousands that uh, Steve talked about last night. So the far enemy has two, uh, two places that we may look for reactivity when we're having attachment to how we want it to be or aversion to how it is. This is reactivity. The near enemy, it's called the near enemy because it can seem like equanimity, but it really isn't. The near enemy is apathy or indifference. Apathy can feel sometimes like a cold, distant callousness. And um, it's interesting that when I look up what the word in Pali is, upeka, the translation of that comes out looking on or looking upon. And uh, apathy or indifference is looking away, not, not really facing what's going on, but turning away from it somehow with some kind of closed downness. So the near enemy and the far enemy, this is what we'll feel the, the heart doing as we practice equanimity. And all of this is really natural. It's just a matter of noticing when it happens, when it reacts with fear, judgment, any form of aversion, or reacts with attachment, holding on, uh, that, those strong opinions we have about how things should be. This is attachment. We'll also notice when there is the absence of reactivity, when there is equanimity, because it's not affected by attachment or aversion. The uh, equanimity can feel like a big spacious mind. And even when attachment or aversion arise in any form, the mind doesn't hold on to it or get identified with it. It just comes and goes. So it, it's not affected by it. It can be seen in the field of equanimity, but it isn't sticky. It doesn't stay there. So with apathy, maybe we're um, uh, reflecting on something and we feel a sense of cold distancing, that we don't want to think about that. We don't want to face what there is in a situation in our lives or a situation in the world. And we feel that closed downness of apathy. We may be able to see that in the, in the big field spaciousness of equanimity. And the mind isn't uh, affected by it. It's just not sticking there. It's like when paint is thrown up into space, it doesn't stick there. So this is how uh, even when attachment, aversion, apathy comes up, it, it can be seen, but it's not staying. So because this is happening, equanimity provides a lot of clarity. It's not a cold distancing. There's a lot of clarity. There's a lot of impartiality. You're not choosing this or that. You're just giving yourselves time to see what the whole picture looks like and not pushing anything away. Sometimes in India, I hear from my own teacher, it's called seeing with patience. Like you see children do their thing, you know, and you just see it with patience. There's a heartfelt connection with equanimity. It's not disconnected. It's very connected to what's happening. There's a steadiness of mind, and there's a spaciousness, of course, there. His Holiness the Dalai Lama says, in that state of mind, you can deal with the situation with calmness and reason. You're not reacting, not doing that knee-jerk thing of, okay, you know, I'm done with this, or I don't want to 
uh, face this anymore or whatever. Just stay open with a lot of spaciousness. And His Holiness also says, it allows a deep and pure compassion, a warmth of being, not tinged by anger, by fear, or by sadness. It may come and go, but it, isn't, it doesn't stay there. It doesn't color the whole field of awareness. So when we do the practice today and the following days when we do the practice, we'll be cultivating equanimity in two ways. Uh, externally, towards external experiences, and towards internal experiences. And I took this from the Samyutta Nikaya, where it talks about developing equanimity towards external and towards internal experiences. So we'll, with each individual, we'll be facing what's going on kind of in the event of somebody's life, and then noticing how we're re- responding to that within us. Just putting equanimity there towards the events of our lives and then turning it towards our own hearts and seeing what's going on here. So there's more of a refinement there. And all the while, with the external and the internal, developing that spaciousness of mind and heart or inclining the mind and heart there, even if we don't feel that it develops in that moment, we're making the habit pattern for that to happen. <clears throat> I want to give you an example of this. So I was trying to remember something that happened just recently. My youngest daughter um, had some minor surgery just last week. And, well, of course, you know, I'm a mom and it concerns me and I get worried about it a little bit. It doesn't cause me sleepless night or anything. but. She's going to be under anesthesia and being in the hospital just for a little bit. And so um, my attention was towards her and what she was going through. And I had to reflect over and over again that, of course, I wish I offer all my love, my sense of metta prayers and protections, whatever that would help. I, I offer all of it, but I really have no control over the result of what goes on. This understanding of, in the end, I really have no absolute control over what goes on during her surgery or whether, you know, the exploratory surgery turns out to have something um, go on with her that I need to, again, worry about. Um, So this understanding of, I really, I give you my best, I give you my, all my love, but I know I don't have complete control over what happens. This is an equanimity understanding, an ability to give everything you've got and then to let go of the um, control, let go for attachment to, of attachment to result. Sometimes I use, during the past week, by the way, everything's fine, And the past week, as I've been facing that, and just before her surgery, I had to contemplate health and illness are part of life, even part of my daughter's life. Um, Birth and death are part of life, gain and loss, pleasure and pain. These are all part of the contemplations of uh, equanimity. And the big one for all of my grown children are, you have your own journey. I can do everything I can to help you, but in the end, you really have your own journey. So that was facing the outer event of her life. When it was over, and I was so relieved to hear that it went okay, and she told me she was fine, I hadn't realized what was going on within me, the tightening of my heart, the fear, you know, the worry about her. and when. When I turned my attention towards my own heart and I brought equanimity there, this is how it is in my own heart. I, I, was, I didn't know how tense I was that I kind of burst out crying. You know, it sort of let go of that tension that I had in my heart. It wasn't like a big sob or anything, but it was just really, I felt that I had not taken care of myself 
during this time. So it's important to turn our attention towards our own hearts over and over again and understand the, the refinement of equanimity practice that can take place, not just on the outer events, but on the inner events of our lives. So the phrases that we'll be using um, are meant to be statements of wisdom, acknowledgments of wisdom to ourselves. This is very different from the metta practice, where we're pervading, we're radiating equanimity, I mean uh, metta out there to people, to individuals. We're not radiating equanimity. We're not, I'm not saying to my daughter, may you be equanimous, you know, that, that's, I'm developing equanimity in my own heart. So the statements are meant to develop equanimity here. We're seeding the intention for equanimity so that it becomes more of a wholesome habit pattern. And of course, maybe the seeds will bear fruit right away, but maybe they won't. It's, it's just for us to develop that pattern, to develop that goodness. So these are some of the um, phrases that I'll be offering to you, depending on the individual, and we'll go through it slowly. Today, I'll go through part of them, tomorrow through the other individuals to complete them, and then we'll continue on through the week. So the, the traditional phrase is, all beings are owners of their actions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. So that's a long phrase, so I'm, I may say that once in a while, but really you can shorten it to say, all beings are owners of their actions. Or I'll say, all beings have their own path. It kind of makes it more colloquial, more like what I would normally say. All beings have their own path. And it, it just means that, you know, we can't have complete control. We have influence, but we don't have complete control. Um, all beings have their own journey. All beings have their own path. Praise and blame, gain and loss, pleasure and pain, arise and pass away. Depending on the situation, I'll use one of those eight vicissitudes of life as part of the uh, equanimity phrase. One of them that's really important that I use in everyday life is, may I accept this experience just as it is right now? Because oftentimes I'm just resisting and fighting it, don't want to open to it. So just inclining the heart and mind towards acceptance. Or may I accept this experience with equanimity? It may not be that we feel it right then, but at least the in inclination of the heart and mind is going in that direction. And that's important. Um, so I may say more as we go along, and sometimes I just think of them in the moment. You can uh, just pick up what works for you, um, or maybe the simple phrase, may my heart incline towards equanimity, and just use that phrase in relationship to the various people that I bring up. And I'll be guiding you. Um, in each step so that you'll, you won't have to think about it so much. Okay, so let's do the practice now. You can sit down, <laughs> take your seat if you need to. If you need to sit in a chair back there, go ahead and do that. <clears throat> so we bring our attention again to our bodies, just feeling ourselves sitting here. And then to our heart center, around the physical heart or around any place in the body where you can touch base with and feel a sense of relaxation or safety. And for the last two days, you've been preparing 
your hearts and minds with the metta practice, which needs to be interwoven into equanimity or else equanimity can be too dry, kind of harsh, stark. So with every phrase, we want to infuse it with our loving kindness, our tenderness, We begin with a neutral person, the traditional way to begin, because this is the easiest person, usually, to develop equanimity with. There's, we choose a person where there's not a lot of attachment or aversion. Usually you don't know this one so well, this person so well. So have a sense of who you're choosing. And once that is clarified, with this person we reflect on the fact, the universal fact, that all beings experience pleasure and pain, gain and loss, praise and blame. Just as this is true for ourselves, this is true for all beings and this person that we don't know so well. So reflecting on that fact. All beings experience the highs and lows of life. No one is immune. And then having that person as clear as we can in the field of our practice, of our hearts. We use a phrase that helps us to incline the heart towards equanimity about this person, though we don't know them so well. All beings have their own journey. Pleasure and pain arise and pass away for all beings. So reflecting on that in relationship to this person. Even if it's not so compelling or interesting, keep on with the reflection. All beings have their own journey with pleasure and pain. And then turn your attention to your own hearts and in a more refined way, more specifically, notice what's going on there. Is there a sense of apathy, disconnection? Maybe there's compassion. Any judging, just notice. This is how it is in my own heart right now. No blame, no shame. 
This is how it is in my own heart right now. Just noticing what goes on, spacious, calm, attention, balance. This is how it is in my own heart right now. Now moving on to the next individual, a dear friend, a loved one. Having a sense of who you're choosing. And with this person, we reflect on something about them or their lives. So it's okay to think, to reflect. Might be in the category of praise or blame, gain or loss, pleasure or pain, health or illness. whatever event is going on in their lives that rustles your heart one way or another. And then use a phrase that helps Open the heart with to spacious, calm balance in relationship to the events of their life or how it is for them. This is how it is in your life right now. May I open to how it is in your life with spacious, calm balance. All beings have their own path, their own journey. Let your mind and heart face what's happening in their lives, open to it. using a phrase that helps develop equanimity.
Now turning the attention to your own heart, specifically noticing what's going on. Is there disappointment, happiness? attachment, whatever there is, just opening to that. May I accept how it is in my own heart right now. With clarity and balance, This is how it is in my own heart right now. Just facing it, looking on with patience. Moving on to the next individual, a benefactor. Someone you can easily open your heart to. Have a clear sense of who it is. a visual sense or a felt sense. And then allow yourselves to reflect about this person. Perhaps some situation or event in this person's life. in connection with any of the vicissitudes, praise, blame, gain, loss, pleasure, pain, fame and disrepute, sickness, health. Aging and death.
this is how it is for you right now. This is your journey. beings have their own journey. And if you haven't already, turning to your own heart. Noticing our relationship to this person. What are the mental states or emotions that go through our own heart about this person? Is it fear, attachment, Is there equanimity or apathy? May I open to how it is in my own heart with balance, spaciousness, into my inner journey with equanimity. Moving on to another one, choosing a dear friend or another benefactor, someone different. One of our children, grandchildren, 
one of our elders. Letting ourselves open to their life. Reflecting on a situation or the general events of their life, how it is for them. heart open to your journey with balance. With spaciousness. to how it is for you right now. With clarity and tenderness. ourselves to know what it feels like in our own hearts in relationship to this person. Just letting the attention settle so that we can know clearly. Is there gratitude? or some reactivity. Attachment, aversion. May I open to this place knowing how it is. May I open to my inner journey with balance. May I give it the space to let it be.
coming to a close now and returning our attention to the heart center. Letting the attention relax around your heart or your breath or your hands. And let's see if we can remember the last person we practiced equanimity with in this sitting. And putting beside that person the dear friend or the other benefactor. The neutral person. seeing if we can send all of them our loving-kindness, radiating, offering, sending loving-kindness to all of these. May you be safe and protected on your journeys. May you be peaceful and happy. bodies carry you well. Then, including everyone here in the room, if you can. Equanimity is what allows our metta to open and extend to all beings. May all beings here be safe and protected. without preferring, without leaving out. May all beings here be peaceful and happy. And bringing into this circle, this field of equanimity, all of our loved ones, may you all be safe. May your goodness, your awareness always protect you. May all beings everywhere be happy, be peaceful, be liberated. There's a little time if you have some questions about your practice just now, about the phrases or anything. Yes, back there. Um, I, I had a thought that kept on coming into my mind. Mm-hmm. When it's appropriate to grieve about something. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, there is. Equanimity doesn't exclude feeling sad doesn't exclude um, grieving. It just gives us more balance when that's happening. 
So it's not, it's not just being flat, you know. Uh, as I said in the beginning, we may feel sadness or attachment or aversion come and go. And as it comes and goes, there's really a closeness and intimacy with the feeling. But it doesn't have to stick. Or maybe it comes up really strongly, and because equanimity is there, we feel it and it's not so strong. It doesn't go to an extreme. So we can feel it, we can experience it, but it doesn't have to go into an extreme where um, where we can get so identified with it, or it can carry us in a a way that makes us unclear or unsafe. So it's it's fine, yeah. Uh, much of the phrases seem to be related to moving from reactivity to equanimity. Right. What if you're stuck in indifference with regard to a given person? What if you're stuck in indifference? That's yeah. So that's that's to be noticed too. And actually, the noticing of indifference or apathy with a certain person is, I feel a lot with the neutral person. You know, the first one. Actually, the noticing of it will help to, just the noticing, and that's what mindfulness does uh, when we're just noticing what's going on. It automatically can bring more balance. That's a good question. Automatically can bring more balance too, because when we notice it, it becomes more clear, and maybe because of the balance, our hearts can open a little more, or we can get closer to that experience of that, with that neutral person. So just the noticing of it helps. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Harsh, yeah. Right, right. Well, uh, frankly, <laughs> it's hard for me to go to that phrase because then everybody asks the questions about karma and it, it gets all reactive, you know, <laughs> just about karma. So I, I really see that phrase as all beings have their own journey. Sometimes I add to it. I might add to it tomorrow or, or the other day, following day. All beings have their own journey according to causes and conditions or according to karma. But I'm, you know, the first day I'm trying to keep the words less and all of that. Or I might, I might just say all beings have their own journey according to their karma. And um, that, that other one that you said very well is, um, you know, just a long, and how do we understand that? And yeah. So, and it's good to infuse the phrases with understanding and with care, because really equanimity is not this dry, aloof, you know, you got your karma to live out kind of feeling. Um, it's not that at all. It's, it has a lot of compassion within it. So as I give some phrases to you, and I'll pin some up on the board so you can take a look, um, you can see what, what works for you the best, and different ones for different people too. Yeah. I think more than the metta practice, this um, practice brought up in Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. More than the metta practice, it brought up your grief. Yeah. It, it it does happen sometimes more with the equanimity because, with the spaciousness, and this points to the question that you brought up earlier. With the spaciousness, it just gives the allowance to be human, the allowance to feel what we're feeling, and 
no shame, no blame about it. It's just, we can feel it, but we don't have to lean into it. Uh, sometimes it, it'll come up and we feel like we're going to get overwhelmed by it or consumed by it, so we just don't go there, right? But if there's some equanimity, it's like we can give ourselves permission to go there and to really feel it with some balance and some clarity. So with equanimity, we, we do have a sense that we can feel our humanness and, and not be thrown off by it. Yes? I'm struggling with the, um, with the abstractness of some of the concepts. Uh-huh. So, um, so some real-life examples would be really helpful to me, but uh, let's say you have a child who um, you have a learning disability who doesn't like to do homework. Yes. And um, lies about doing the homework. Uh, it's done. And then you see that they're failing because the homework isn't getting done. Mm -hmm. And it's leading to a real kind of struggle. Yes, right. And they're pushing their way into not, you know, it's the old triggers. How do you um, assume, I mean, I can say to my, ch to my child, um, you know, this is your path, and I wish you well, but that's hard to do with the, you know. Yeah. So we have to remember, um, he was saying, did you hear him back there? No, okay. Um, this is something we all struggle with. You know, I've raised four kids, and I have five grandchildren now. And so the same thing with the grandchildren. They go through these, they're, um, they're doing their homework, or maybe they have a learning disability, as you, some, you said, something like that. And they don't do their homework, and they lie about doing their, their homework is done, and you feel an inner struggle with it. And you just can't say, well, this is your path, and I wish you well, and I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, so this, the, the first course of action is to open to it. And this is the equanimity. Equanimity can last for a moment, and it provides that clarity of, okay, this is what's happening with you right now. And then we turn it towards here and say, what's going on in my own heart in relationship to that? And we look here, what's, if there is a struggle or if we pay attention to that with equanimity, we're more liable to respond in the next moment with a response that's helpful instead of a response that's harmful to ourselves and to the other person. So equanimity is not like you, you just stop there and say, this is how it is, the truck's coming, and I'm not going to move out of the way. You know, <laughs> you don't, you, you, you assess the situation and then you move. And, um, but I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't explain any of that in the beginning. So that's really great. I, this is an example that I've given before. I think some of you have heard this. I was in the, train station in Florence and um, I was with my girlfriend and she said oh, watch my package I'm going to the drugstore nearby so I, I let her package be there and I then she went and she came back and I went towards her to go catch the train I left the package there I met her and she said where's my package and we had searched all over Florence for this coffee pot for her husband and I said, oh, you know, mindful me, right? <laughs> I left it behind. I turned around, and there was somebody who took the package. And um, somebody had, uh, a lady had put it on her arm, you know, the, sh the bag on her arm, and was holding a little girl's hand. And they were walking quickly away. So I didn't just stand there and say, this is how it is right now. <laughs> I went towards her, and um, I said, I stopped her, and I said, this is mine. And she kind of didn't understand, and I was stronger about it. Not angry, but I had to really make a point. This, it, this is mine, belongs to me. And so she said, oh, no, 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 no. This mine, she said, you roba like I was going to rob her or something. And I said, oh, no, 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 you roba. And so she went, so I gently, I took her, the little girl's hand, gently, and her hand, 
and I took it apart. And they were like a little bit stunned that I was doing this. <laughs> I just took their hands apart, and I took the bag, and I just said, thank you, and I went back. So I just wanted to make that a really clear example that you do do something. You don't just stand there and say, you know, be a doormat to life. That, that isn't what equanimity is all about. But like the Dalai Lama says, you, in that frame of mind, you can assess the situation clearly, and then you can do what you need to do. Or, or maybe it's not safe for you to take an action, so you don't take the action. Yes, one last one, Jim. This is, as he pointed out, it's so touching <laughs> when you get involved. I was told Vicki was about to call me when it has to do with family relationships. Uh, and I guess I'm inverting this now to talk about the elderly. Uh, my elderly mother, 93, who is suffering a great deal. Um, and it's impossible for me to be disciplined all the equanimity in the world is fine as long as I'm away from it. Mm-hmm. But men back then, the middle, even over the farmers, had it just very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is so important to me, because I've seen some of this based on my experience with my father, is the kind of like the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, the doctors take hydrogen and I'll repeat it. Do no evil. What yes. Is that, am I saying Hippocratic? Do whatever the name is, you know what I mean? Do no harm. Yeah, do no harm. And, mm-hmm. and I can also use that as a way of keeping myself distant. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the thing about it is, by staying somewhat distant, I kind of halfway enjoy it, frankly, because there is the sense you, you, you're getting what you've got coming. You're asking for something that, that we're all kind of clear about now. And you've been warned about this, and now you've got to let out the consequences of it. I, I don't say I like, and that if I had the choice of going beyond that, that I would not. I would, but I haven't found a place in me to do that. Mm-hmm. I got I, it. I, what, what do you call? I mean, how do, how do you so, label this, or do you need to label it? Okay. Well, the the situation, Hilda, is uh, with the elderly sometimes, or anybody sometimes you. You know you can feel more equanimous when you're far away or you're distant. And you can know that you, you get in trouble when you come, when you have interaction. And reactivity can come up when you have interaction. And um, sometimes it's better to be close, to be distant. So what do you do about this, basically? <laughs> I think you were asking me more refined um, questions in that, but we'll talk more later, Jim. I just want to answer this in general right now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is why we check out what's going on in our own hearts. So if we know there's going to be, if, if we know there's reactivity there, then we, we need, where we need to develop the equanimity is here. We need to develop it here because we, we have that painful reactivity. I'm, and so I'm saying it in that way because sometimes we can say I'm bad because I've got this reactivity. But the, the way that we can look at it is with compassion and some balance and say, okay, this is how it is in my own heart. And really what we need to work with more than out there is we need to work with what's going on in here much more than and then sometimes it is better to have distance. Um, I can't say exactly for everybody, but for myself, I know that it's better sometimes to have distance. So, yeah, just in a nutshell. Well, thank you for your practice, and tomorrow we'll practice again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.